0: Remember we're in the vision and action series and we're looking at Nehemiah and we're looking at the whole book of Nehemiah, at least the first half of the book, uh, because the book is very, very, uh, you know, it, it's got two really very different stories in it. So we'll be looking at at least the first, uh, first six to eight chapters and uh, we're in chapter three and uh, vision and action. And a little bit about Nehemiah, of course, just to refresh us. Can we rejoin the dots and get back there? We're talking about this guy who was the cupbearer to a king in the occupying nation, literally, of Persia. And yet the king is benevolent and sends him back as a governor with authority to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that have been laid waste for, for many, many years. And so Nehemiah heads back with this mission to make to bring us security to the city, a city with walls broken down, gates burned with fire. The city was vulnerable. The inhabits, uh, inhabitants of the city were vulnerable to attack and to, to all kinds of bad stuff happening. So Nehemiah is going back to rebuild the walls and to bring security to the city. That's sort of the big overview. And of course, Nehemiah, we've learned, has been a must be a trustworthy person to be cupbearer of the king, to be in uh, this foreign king's court. He'd obviously, as a, uh, as a Captive, literally as a slave, had caught the king's eye. And of course, many of uh, generations of uh, children of Israel have been trained to serve in the king's court and that would have caught the king's attention. But I want to go to a bit of a, an, an unusual, a disputed fact in Nehemiah's story. And even though it's, it's, it's disputed in the sense that it might not be in the Bible, but it's most likely we know from history, one fact probably about Nehemiah's life that's never discussed And that would be his castration. So can we go there today? Simply because this was a very common practice in these days. Because as a trusted man, cupbearer to the king, serving him not only in the royal court, but most likely in his own home, he was not going to be anywhere near the king's harem without having that procedure done, which wasn't particularly a medical procedure. In those days you can actually read about it there's quite a bit of information if you look at ancient castration it was done two ways in these days one was with two rocks and it was a slam dunk (laughs) I guess you could say but the the other way that was actually common was to be strapped down held down by two people and then everything removed as in everything removed a straw inserted so that you could pass water. And if you survived that procedure, then you could go on to whatever role you were going to be used for. And we don't know this definitely about Nehemiah, but it it probably is most likely his story. And yet, you know, it's the, the, the things like that that you don't see, when you see someone who's so on mission, so full of vision, so passionate about the kingdom of God, and the things of God, and the people of God, and there's, there's this whole potential backstory running. I'll tell you what, when it comes to government overreach that, that some may, may be very concerned about at the moment, it brings a little bit of context. Yeah. 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 Because in spite of what he'd been through, in spite of... Of the abuses. And even if you don't go that far, in spite of being a captive in a foreign land, in spite of being press ganged into service, in spite of all of that, he still has a heart and a passion and one vision. And that vision is to serve God and the people of God and to do it with great joy. I love Nehemiah. I mean, Nehemiah is irrepressible. And the fact is, it is for the darkest of times that faith is. Literally, faith. Our language is called to be joy and faith and hope and peace. What three things remain? Faith, hope, and love. Come on, does our language, does our attitude, does our outlook reflect Nehemiah's? So before we even get to the scripture today, we can learn a lot from Nehemiah but let's go to the scripture chapter three now what I'm going to do I'm going to read a whole bunch of scripture because that's what we've been doing and I'm going to stop I'm going to try and make some observations I'm going to try and flow through it then I'm going to ask us some questions okay we're away I'm going to do it all in 20 minutes vision and action three Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 1 to 2, Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. So here they are, they're in the work now, they're actually launching out. So they went and rebuilt the sheep gate and I just want us to notice, we're going to see a lot of gates in this chapter, okay? But I want us to pay attention to them. They dedicated it and they set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred which they dedicated. So there's a theme that's running through the whole of the book so far. Every chapter has been a chapter of dedication. We see dedication, we see prayer, seeking God, committing of plans to God. And what I really want to encourage us with is if you have vision in life, then the key to it is that Jesus stays at the centre of it. It's okay to have vision for your own things and whatnot, but it's actually probably, uh, it's probably not the right way to go to build your own kingdom. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So whatever vision you have, personal vision that we hold, the key in it is dedication, dedication, dedication. And that is both hard work is the key for vision, but more importantly is making sure that Jesus Christ stays as the cornerstone stays as the focal point and we do that when we stop and we think even when we accomplish a bit and we make sure that we dedicate it to God whether that's you know this can be about your front garden bed it can be about a ministry kind of expression or whatever it is I I think I think we can get into trouble actually thinking that there's like we, we can think dualistically there's like the spiritual stuff And then there's just the normal stuff. But here's the point. We are spiritual beings. Whenever you're not a spirit, I'll tell you when you sitting right there are not a spirit, when you die and your spirit leaves. But until then, you're a spirit, which means everything we do is spiritual. Spiritual is not just when I pray or come to church or read my Bible or whatever. That is not spiritual. Everything... Is spiritual. The way that I greet my wife in the morning is spiritual. Spirit can come out of that and it can lift her and encourage her, or it can just be another sad day. My choice, it's coming out of my spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is spiritual. So let's not live dualistically. Nehemiah certainly didn't. He's dedicating just plain old bits of timber and stone. Dedication is the key. Every chapter of the book has it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 therefore whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God. No matter what you do, do it to the glory of God. Okay, let's get going. Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 3 to 5 the fish gate, everyone say fish gate. fish gate. Who'd like to hang out at the fish gate? No, neither would I. was rebuilt by the sons of the they laid its beams and put its doors and bolts in place and bars in place i'm going to paraphrase a bit so if you miss me up there that's okay Uh, merrimoth son of uriah the son of hakoz repaired the next section next to him uh meshuliam Son of Berechiah, the son of... Can we just... Yep. Yeah, let's just keep moving. They made repairs and next to him, Zadok, the son of Barna, made, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. You know, that's a key to fulfilling vision. You've just got to do it. You've just got to do it. I, I've been um, interested in getting delving back into, into artwork lately, some of you would know. But really interesting listening to, to a, a video of a guy yesterday who just said you've just got to do it. The difference between a prolific artist and someone who doesn't really produce much is not talent. Yeah. It's not talent. Yeah. Everyone's got a certain amount of talent, but a prolific artist just simply does it. And they become known by how prolific they are often simply because they just do it and they do it. The more they do it, the better they get at it, yeah. yeah. etc. Sometimes you just got to put your shoulders to the work. But I love this. It says, but they're nobles. In other words, these were like the people who thought hard work was too, too low for them, where just getting in and getting dirty and making things happen was beneath them. It's someone else's job, and we know when it's everyone else's job, it's no one's job. That's the way that it works. A great vision, kingdom advancement, always requires ownership. People who see a gap and determine to do something about it. And you know one thing I know about people who hang back from actually getting their hands dirty? You can guarantee that this was the peanut gallery. Mm -hmm. You know I've found? The loudest boos come from the cheapest seats. It yeah. is so true. Yeah. People who are not invested in the vision are the first people to knock it. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever's not rowing the boat with you, be careful, because they could be drilling a hole in the bottom. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. And it would seem that even Nehemiah had to face that, but it's a minor issue, so I'm going to keep work, keep moving on. Put your shoulder to the wheel. Yeah. Put your shoulder to the work if you want to see vision accomplished. Okay, now I'm going to read a stack of Scripture so that I can land where I want to land. You Ready? Okay, the Jeshena gate was repaired by Jehoiada, Jehoiada, son of, they laid its beams and put its doors with its bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by the men of Gibeon and Mizpah. And uh, Uziel, son of, that guy, one of the goldsmiths repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs Next to that, I love this, uh, goldsmiths, perfume makers. Yeah. Talk about just put your shoulder to the wheel, be prepared to get your hands dirty. I wouldn't have thought that these guys were the tradey types. But here they are, the perfume maker is in doing it. The goldsmith, he's in doing it. They're hanging bars, they're they're lifting rocks, we'll learn probably next week, literally out of of piles of rubble. They're using the, the, the remnants of the previous wall that's broken down and these guys are getting down and dirty. And then there's this other guy, son of Hur, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem. He repaired the next section and adjoining this, uh Jeddai, son of that guy made repairs opposite his house and then this guy son of that guy made repairs next to him then shalom thankfully one i can pronounce son of whoever ruler of the half district of jerusalem repaired the next section can anyone get a theme coming out of this yeah. Yeah. next to yeah. next section yeah. next to him And he repaired that section with the help of his daughters. Shout out to the girls, to the sisterhood. Uh, I love it. And then the valley gate was repaired by Hannon, the dung gate repaired by that guy. And it's just uh, not quite as glamorous as the fountain gate, is it? The dung gate. Don't you love that? The dung gate. It's like, that's the job no one really, really, you think the fish gate was bad, I think the dung gate could be worse, and in the valley gate, when you think about it, working through the valleys, so I want to ask you, now, where do you spend your time? Because, you know, the dung gate, as much as it's not glamorous, it was necessary, And often people don't fulfill vision. Again, because they don't want to get their hands dirty with the work and maybe don't want to deal with the difficult stuff. Now, I've learned, I guess, just in church work that unless I'm prepared to deal with the difficult stuff and touch the stuff that, you know, is the last thing you'd want to touch, uh, that is the only way you can advance. I, I often see ministries just come crashing down because the done begins to build up Mm. the stuff no one wants to touch stuff no one wants to shovel on or move on the challenges the uh, you know the the need to actually step into situations and become bad cop it's gone very quiet in here (laughs) but in any vision that's active and progressing there's always a place where stuff, the stuff we don't want to talk about, actually has to get dealt with. And, and, and maybe for you, and it, look, it's the same in your marriage. If you're trying to build a quality marriage, there's going to be a dungate. There's got to be. Or that stuff's going to build up and the whole thing's going to stink. Whether it's your business, and it could be just a you know challenging an attitude in a worker that's affecting the culture of the whole thing, whatever it is, The dungate is a key, a key component of fulfilling vision, whether we want it to be or not. I think, you know, I just think about uh, dealing with the unpleasant stuff. My goodness, I think it was um, earlier this year, earlier this year we had a Southwest Pastors Regional meeting here. And uh, and I never heard about this till after the case, but apparently a child obviously had too many lollies or peanuts and, and filled a bowl in the ladies' toilets with vomit. We've been about all the good stuff today, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I only heard after the fact that one of our interns, Kaz Wisniewski, went in and had to pick that out with her hands so she could flush it through wow. and clean the ladies' bathrooms up so everyone can enjoy it. And it's that kind of commitment. Yeah. Yeah. No one asked her to do it. Mm. She discovered it and she fixed it. She was not afraid to do the Dungate ministry to serve other people so other people's experience would be unimpeded when it came to receiving from whatever God was doing at the time. It's like, wow. Come on, I wonder what you need to touch that you don't want to touch. But it's actually stopping your vision going forward, it's actually impeding your experience of life. Big shout out to (laughs) Cass. Okay, Nehemiah 3, 15, let's keep going. The fountain gate was repaired by Shulam, and uh, beyond him... I'm um, just picking out words now. Then verses 17, 21, next to him. And then the next verse says, beside him. And then there's a next to him. And then uh, there's the fellow Levites. And then next to him. And then there's another next to him. And then there's another next to him as we go through those verses. Verses 22 through 27, there's a next to him. There's a beyond them. There's a next to them. There's a next to him. There's a next to him. And then we get to the water gate and next to them. And then we get above the horse gate, the priests made repairs each in front of his own house. And next to them, Zadok, son of Imar, made repairs opposite his house. And next to him, Shemaiah. Next to him, Hananiah repaired another section. Next to him, or next to them, Mashulam, son of that guy, uh, made repairs opposite his living quarters. Next to him, next to him, next to him, next to him. And I guess this is where I want to land today and finish but this is all about gates and keeping rank fulfilling vision is all about gates and keeping rank what i mean by that well gates are designed to let things in and to let things out is that true for israel what the gates meant was keep the bad guys out and keep our kids safe Mm. that's why they're doing this that's what it meant for them And there's lots of gates. There's societal gates. You know, society's gates, it's what we allow in and what we cast out. And in our society, we can see that so clearly in the the last uh, number of years, if you've been around, man, there's been some big shifts. People have been controlling the gates and letting all kinds of things in and happy to do away with all kinds of things that once kept us safe if you haven't noticed. That's social gates. What about personal gates? You know, we've all got personal gates. What we allow in, what we allow out. Our eyes, our ears, our mouths are all gates. And as we all know, there is a thousand things out there trying to demand our attention, trying to get in, and I guess in a sense, inspiring us to let things out. Psalm 101, verse 3 says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. And look, if we're really, really honest, between internet, free-to-air TV, streaming services, Netflix, music streaming like Spotify, Google Play, podcasts, all that stuff, there's literally thousands of different ways to let things through the eye and ear gates and the question becomes are your gates in good repair it's one thing for us to say oh that ancient story where they restored the city and they stopped being vulnerable but of course that story is only written for us and we see in our society so clearly and sometimes that's so frustrating because we feel like we can't make a difference there. But I guarantee, and we can, but sometimes you just feel so far removed from the process that you can't. But there is, there is a set of gates that we can work on. And they're in our own hearts and in our own minds. How are we guarding our gates and what we allow into our lives? The undisciplined life will not fulfill vision. Think of Samson. Samson called by God to deliver the nation and he did impart. He was not only you know, called and anointed to do it, he was physically gifted to do it as well. He had everything going for him, but he could not control the gates of his life. He couldn't control the gates of his sexual life passions and interestingly in the story of course after Delilah finally deceives him the Philistines capture him what's the first thing that he loses his vision the first thing they do to Samson is poke his eyes out and then life becomes for Samson grinding at the wheel he's a grinder in the mill he's a big strong guy so they just put him on this big wooden beam And he walks around in circles in the daily grind. It's where we get that saying from. The daily grind of a life that has lost vision because he did not guard his gates. And I want to encourage us today, think about the gates. What are you listening to? What are you looking at? What are you reading? What are you seeing? What are you watching? Because if you don't be very careful about those gates, you're just as vulnerable as a city with its walls broken down. And, and I think God wants to speak to our hearts about making sure that our walls are strong and tall, that our gates are hung on their hinges, so that we can actually fulfill heavenly vision remember everything is spiritual and of course gates are also what we let out are you speaking faith hope and love or doubt negativity and fear here's the problem with our words (laughs) it's not a problem it's just a, a, a reality a fact Hebrews says, by faith we understand, book of Hebrews, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now we know that, don't we? Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, and then God spoke, and he framed his world. Think about it. God framed his world with his words. Created in his image, with that same prophetic intent, we do exactly the same thing. We frame our experience with our words. This is why Proverbs says that the power of death and of life is in the tongue. And those who love it, in other words, those who love to speak shall eat of its fruit. We frame our world. So what are we letting out of the gate? What are we letting into the gates? What are we letting out of the gates of our life? Because it's actually framing our experience now one of the bible says these three things remain when everything else is gone when everything else seems lost on the darkest day the three things that should remain are faith hope and love and if our words reflect that that will eventually be our feast Those who love them shall eat of its fruit. Today's confession is tomorrow's feast. You've gone very quiet. You doing okay? And then lastly, keeping rank. Again, next to him, next to that, next section, 17 times in this chapter. 17 times. I think we've got to take notice of that. The picture is everyone doing their bit. Closing ranks around their neighbour. 1 Chronicles 12 verse 33, I love this. This is a, this is a passage from where David's talking about, or the, the scripture's talking about all David's mighty men and their incredible works and just how wonderful they were. And listen to this, of Zebulon there were 50,000 who went out to battle, expert in war with all weapons of war, but then it says this, stout-hearted men who could keep ranks. And this is exactly what we see right through this passage. Just keep rank. In other words, just turn up. If you're not there, there's a gap in family, in business, in church. This isn't just turn up physically, but turn up and be present in the moment. We've got to be so careful of, you know, the consumer mentality that says this is what suits me because the moment we do that, we're not thinking about how our decision might affect who's trying to build the wall right next to us. And I must admit, I see it occasionally in church life. So if this is what suits me, I'm out and there's a gap and then people actually suffer. It's like, man, man, man. Our connections have got to mean more than that. Yeah. We're just saying it. People come together. You know, we, we might be strangers in a sense, but we're like one blood yeah. because we have a common father. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I've got some questions for us. Who's next to you? Come on, if you're fulfilling vision, moving in life, remember everything's spiritual. Yeah. Who are you doing it with? Who could just say, they're next to me on the wall. This is who's in my life. This is my inner circle. And are they building or are they drilling holes in the bottom of your canoe? You've got to work that out. Who's next to you? Who are you standing with and next to? Who could just say, well, they could count on me because I'm there. I'm standing with them on the wall. As we build our lives, I'm there for them. And, you know, who have you got on the journey with you? For business people, that could be business coaching, that could be getting on a team or in a life group, so you're doing life with people. That could simply mean hanging around healthy relationships. You know, if you're a young married person, hang around someone who's been married a bit longer whose relationship you admire. That kind of thing helps you build your life. Who are you doing life next to? And the interesting thing I find here is as Nehemiah looked out, he saw people working shoulder to shoulder and getting it done, repairing the breaches. And you could ask yourself the question, why didn't Nehemiah summarise all the building stuff? I mean, I had to, to get through it today. Why didn't Nehemiah do that? Why the detail? I, I think we need to get that most people are involved. But this is an honours list. That's what it is. It's a whole chapter dedicated to an honours list of those who just showed up, who were prepared to get their hands dirty, who were prepared to be at the fish gate, if they had to be, and the dung gate, if they had to be. And they made it happen, and they made it happen shoulder to shoulder. They kept rank and they got it done. And we're going to look at the results of that Uh, over the coming weeks but here's some questions have you been intentional and I've asked this question now three times but have you been intentional about dedicating your vision what you feel life is about, what you feel you're building have have you been intentional about dedicating your marriage or did that just happen on the day when the pastor prayed for you or whatever but dedicating it And every step of the way, dedicating it again. God, this is yours. I give this to you. I give this business to you. I give my my free time to you as a dedication. Even if I'm having fun and playing sport, I'm doing it in your presence because I do all to the glory of God. I'm not living a dualistic life of that's my spiritual life, but this is my own thing. There's tremendous danger in that. So are we dedicating our vision to God? Are you prepared to put your shoulder to the work to fulfill vision, even the dirty jobs? And I've just got a sense, maybe some of us have just been putting off stuff that's actually hurting us. Putting off a conversation, putting off tackling something that's a bit difficult, putting off a particular task, whatever it might be. Put your shoulder to the wheel. Are you prepared to put your shoulder to the work to fulfill vision? Are you determining what comes in and out of your life. Healthy habits, boundaries, what you embrace and what you reject. And who are you working with to fulfill vision? Well, who do you need to work with? Who do you need to bring into your life? Maybe who do you need to distance yourself a little bit from? If you've worked out, they might be drilling holes in the bottom of your canoe. But who are you doing it with? Because we're all doing something next to someone. But often we're not intentional about that. I want to encourage us. Bring people around us that help us to fulfill vision in our lives. Because without vision, life is just going round in circles. If you feel like you're caught in the daily grind on some level, it's, it's not... A position issue, it's not where you're with it's not the person you're married to it's nothing else other than vision <laughs> you get vision and you get off the daily grind it gives you purpose, it makes you reorder your priorities, it gets you focused, it makes you leap out of bed yeah. without vision people perish come on let's stand together this morning, let's stand together there's a bit to be learnt from people who've done the journey before us, isn't there? So why don't we pray? Father, help us. Help us to be people who recognize everything we're doing right now is spiritual. Even if we might not have considered that before, I just pray, help us to understand because we are a spiritual being, everything we do is spiritual. And I pray that that would come out be reflected in our words what we're prepared to look at and take into our life what we're prepared to let out of our life it'll be reflected in the relationships we build and the people we do life with we'd have an understanding that this is all for your glory it's all to bring you glory just help us capture that capture that And this indomitable spirit of Nehemiah, in spite of his journey, his determination, to make the lives of others better and to bring glory to you. Inspire us, Father, I pray this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you're with us this morning too, just before we close, I'm going to hand over to Levi. If you're with us this morning and and you're open to the things of God. We're just talking about an ancient guy that made an impact in his world. But you know, that, that sort of reverberates right through to our days. There are lessons to be learned. Scripture speaks today to us. And maybe your heart's been open this morning as you just listen, and you've sort of got an understanding that God is active and at work. Maybe in your life, maybe for some time you've been on a bit of a journey. Can I encourage you at some point, at some point, there needs to be a dedication, just like we talked about. There needs to be a handing over where we go, God, this is your thing. And you might be ready for that right now with your own life where you could say, you know, I'm at a point where I think the the only step left to take is I have to commit myself to Christ. I have to make a dedication to God. And you can do that in the simplest of ways in this place, online, wherever you are. Just open your heart and in your own words, in your heart of hearts, say, Jesus, I just open my life to you. I dedicate my life to you. I pray you'd work in it and through it for your glory. Amen. And that's a simple way of just dedicating yourself to God. And Levi's going to tell us a little bit more about what you can do next.